Chapter Fifty Two of A Year's Prayer Meeting Talks. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. A Year's Prayer Meeting Talks by Lewis Albert Banks. Chapter Fifty Two The First Christmas Gifts. Matthew Two. These wise men were the students of the stars. They were men of reverent mind and holy life. They sought to find wisdom in the Milky Way and the sublime constellations of the heavens. They were men of a worshipful spirit. They saw God in the stars and revered him until their hearts were so sensitive to his presence that he was able to speak to them through the signal light of the star in the east which had no meaning to men of ruder mold and untaught heart. Following the signal of the skies, they made their journey across the deserts and sought with patient persistence until the star stood above the place where the child Christ lay in his mother's arms. Rich treasures were hidden in that caravan of camels, and these reverent astronomers brought forth their costly gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to lay at the feet of the little babe. It is a sublime picture. No wonder the poet and the artist have ever regarded it as a fitting theme for their noblest work. The wisdom of the East, bowing down at the feet of a little child. The wealth of the world, poured out at the feet of a child so poor that its cradle was a manger. There is surely something worthy of our study in this old, but ever new picture. We are accustomed at Christmas time to talk about Christmas from the divine side, the gift of God to the world in Jesus Christ. I would like to turn over the leaf and look at it from the other side. I believe it will be good for us to remember that the first Christmas gifts by men after the birth of Jesus were given to Christ himself. I do not believe it is healthful morally for us to always think about Christmas in the light of gifts made to us. It is not what we get in this world, but what we give, which measures and develops character. A man is judged not by the amount of wealth or learning or power which he achieves, but by what he does with it. He may use his power, like Washington, to advance liberty and bless humanity, or, like Napoleon, to feed his own selfishness, to the cost of suffering millions. He may use his wealth to advance art and science, to heal the sick through hospitals, to send the gospel to the heathen, to relieve the poverty of the poor, or he may use it to feed his own greedy and miserly soul until his name shall be cursed everywhere. A man may use learning to spread evil and vicious influences that blight like a simoom every mind and heart they blow upon or he may use it to bring man closer to God, to give man power over nature, to heal his fellow men of the sorrows which come to them through ignorance. It is not what we get, but what we give, that marks the grade of humanity to which we belong. There is something very comforting in this, for it puts our destiny in our own hands. We are not dependent on the generosity or support of other people. They may give or withhold their approbation. They cannot, if they would, restrain the growth of nobility in us. 
greatness in character is graded by service. It is not how many people it takes to take care of me, but how many people I can take care of, how many burdens I can carry, how many hearts I can cheer, how many tears I can banish, how much joy I can bring to the world that measures the quality of the man to which I belong. Surely this is a good thing for us to think about on Christmas time. I think it will be well for us to study briefly the gifts which these wise scholars of the Orient brought to the infant Christ. First, they brought their gold. Gold is business life condensed. In that day it meant caravans, herds, flocks, and raiment, as today it means railroads, steamships, and houses. The commercial life of the world is civilized by gold. In that broad sense, we ought this Christmas time to lay our business at the feet of Jesus Christ. A man has no right to a kind of business that he cannot bring confidently to Jesus and submit to the perfect innocence of Christ's gaze. Our business is not our own. We cannot separate it from our religious lives. We have no right to separate our lives into watertight compartments like a modern ship and call one domestic and another religious and another financial to call one secular and another spiritual. Life is a unit. Character is a unit. Failure at one point works ruin everywhere. The whole life should be consecrated to Christ, and we cannot separate our business life from the rest. If we are Christians, we must do business in the Christian spirit, and we must hold our business, our substance, our gold at the call of Jesus, who is our King. And there is the frankincense. This was one of the main ingredients in the making of incense which was used in offering sacrifices to God in public worship. It suggests the thought of worship. We should bring our worship to Jesus Christ. We should crown him Lord over all in our hearts. The gift without the giver is bare. We should live reverent lives. A mere ceremony, however splendid, or a gift of gold, however rich, is mockery if the frankincense of a reverent spirit, which admires, adores, loves, worships Christ, is lacking in our hearts. Then there is the myrrh. I do not agree with some commentators who make this signify only the fact that Christ was to die, and to suggest the thought of the embalming of his body. True, myrrh was used in embalming the dead but it was also used as an ingredient in making the holy oil, and was a very rare and grateful perfume. It seems, therefore, to me that it far more clearly suggests to us the thought of sweetness and fragrance and beauty. I do not believe for a moment that these wise men from the East brought their rich treasures of myrrh, the most delicious of perfumes, to lay at the feet of the babe Christ with reference to his dying but rather with reference to his living, with thought about his childhood, his youth, his beauty, his purity, his strength, his kingliness of character. It suggests to me that we ought to bring to Christ our pleasures and our joys. We ought to bring him all the beautiful things of our lives. We shall not lose them by bringing them to Christ. When he was on earth, the social circle at the wedding feast was all the more joyous because Christ was there, and our social life and all our feasts of enjoyment will grow in richness and significance 
if Jesus honors them by his presence. On this Christmas day, we should lay all our joys and pleasures at the feet of Jesus for his blessing. Any pleasure that will wither in the sight of his eyes would poison us, and every wholesome joy will gain in power and gladness with his benediction upon it. End of chapter 52 End of A Year's Prayer Meeting Talks by Louis Albert Banks